When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And hello, folks, and welcome back to another edition of the ACC Now podcast, the renowned and wildly popular ACC Now podcast from the News and Observer. And we thank you for making it so. Thank you so much for listening. And dear listener, we should note here at the top that we are recording this podcast here on a day on which the ACC is still whole. It still exists. It has not yet fallen apart, despite claims to the contrary, as Mark Twain might say. Uh, And in fact, he didn't actually put it this way. It's a misquote. But nonetheless, the sentiment remains. And I quote, reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated. So saith almost Mark Twain and so saith the ACC at large. But yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host for this week, for better or worse. It's Andrew Carter. And of course, I do a little bit of everything here at the NNO and a whole lot of nothing, my critics might allege, and especially after a week like last week, which was, frankly, ladies and gentlemen, one of those weeks that very much exemplifies the old cliche of it's a tough job. But somebody has to do it indeed. Uh, And folks, it really was down there in Florida uh, on Amelia Island for the ACC's annual spring meetings. I made the trek down there and and it was tough. It was a hot week for me. We're talking temperatures in the high 80s and maybe even the low 90s, which as a redheaded and fair-skinned person, that's the danger zone. Uh, And for another, the hours were long and, and spent waiting and waiting and waiting for people to stop and talk there in the hallway. And sometimes, as we'll discuss here momentarily, they were in no mood to talk with me or other journalists gathered there uh, on Amelia Island. And, and last, but certainly not least, when we're talking about workplace struggles and what a difficult week it was down there, you should know that the bowl of orange blossom Himalayan salt scrub hand massager was at best, at best best only a little more than halfway full inside the public bathroom of the Ritz-Carlton on Amelia Island. And y'all know that's a little ways north of Jacksonville. And, and when I've traveled down to Florida for ACC spring meetings in the past, the bowl of orange blossom Himalayan salt scrub hand massager has always been near full. It runneth over, usually, in a generous and pleasing manner. But this year, Not as much of it, which was cause for a great deal of anxiety among the writers there who don't get to experience the luxury of the Ritz quite as often as we'd like. And speaking of anxiety, 
And how's that for a transition, ladies and gentlemen? And also, I don't think they're ever going to let me do this podcast again, so we're going to have some fun here and enjoy it while it lasts. But yes, speaking of anxiety, that was kind of the theme of the week down there on Amelia Island among the ACC athletic directors, administrators, coaches, uh, who were all gathered. Lots of anxiety, financial anxiety, conference membership anxiety, the anxiety of what is going on in the ACC, which if you can figure that out, then you need to be playing the lottery, as they say, or maybe Texas Hold'em. And a lot of that anxiety had roots in a tweet that we'll get to here momentarily. But first, some context is in order. Uh, And you should know that I've been coming to ACC spring meetings for, I think, almost 15 years. Not every year, and not even most of those years, but several of them. And I was trying to remember the first one I covered, and I believe it was 2009, back when I was covering Florida State for the Orlando Sentinel. And this was back when its athletic director at the time, Randy Spetman, would literally turn around and go the other way if he saw me at the other end of a hall. And folks, that's actually a true story. I believe that was my first introduction to both the Amelia Island Ritz, the Orange Blossom Himalayan Salt Scrub Hand Massage, and the ACC Spring Meetings at large. But I digress. I remember the first one of these I covered, which was either 2009 or 2010. There was a lot of anxiety even back then about the future of the ACC. A lot of internet chatter. And this was before widespread use of Twitter during a time when blogs were more popular and arguably during the heyday of college sports message boards. But still, a lot of speculation that the ACC was on the verge of an imminent demise. The big rumor of the time, as completely unfounded as it was, was that Clemson and Florida State would leave the ACC and go to the Big 12, that in time the ACC was going to be doomed, and it was farcical and crazy and completely out of the realm. And I thought about those days a lot while I spent time in the Ritz last week, that is, between sessions with the Himalayan salt hand massages and admiring the rows upon rows of luxury cars parked outside in the circular driveway. And seriously, we're talking all variety of BMWs and Mercedes and some cars so fancy, I didn't even know what they were, including one I Googled only to learn that it was worth more than $1 million. No joke. But yes, it did all bring back memories of maybe the first time we heard all of those rumors about the ACC's demise. Somewhere between 10 and 15 years ago, except now it felt a lot more real. It felt like, as Duke Athletic Director Nina King put it, quote, here we go again. And I spent time with all three of the Triangle's ACC schools, athletic directors, Bubba Cunningham from North Carolina and Boo Corrigan from NC State. But I thought Nina King had the best answer, maybe the most concise answer, when I asked her what these meetings were like in terms of all the drama and the speculation, much of it, okay, pretty much all of it from the outside, from all the noise. Here's what she said. I mean, my initial reaction was kind of a, oh boy, here we go, right? Because I've been in these rooms and I've been talking to colleagues and we're having conversations. And so, uh, so I know I haven't been asleep on the job yeah. that I've yeah. been in for the past two years. Right. So uh, to your point, I didn't panic, um, but it just set us up to have some conversation here and let's, all 14 of us, um, 
Jack wasn't here, um, but the fourteen of us sit in a room and let's talk. And nothing different. I mean, we're still continuing to talk about how the fourteen of us, fifteen, can continue to work together. Um, and we need to figure out as a league how we get bigger, faster, stronger. So that sentiment in the room this week is no different than it was at our February meeting, at our October meeting. I mean, right. Conference realignment is continuously happening. And um, last year when we had USC, UCLA, the year before when we had Texas, Oklahoma, we continue to have those conversations about what does that mean for the ECC? How do we get bigger, faster, stronger? So to be clear, at the start of her answer, the part where she goes, here we go, and I quote, Nina King was referring to the aforementioned tweet I mentioned earlier, the one that set off such a frenzy. The one that I wrote in a story last week was indeed the tweet heard round the Ritz. And it was weird being there, monitoring the reaction on social media, while also watching how those at ACC meetings reacted to it in real time. Well, almost in real time. When it came out, The league's athletic directors were in a meeting. They soon departed, said meeting, and walked right past reporters without comment. Now, by the end of the ACC spring meetings two days later, everyone was putting on a happy face, at least a relatively happy face, including ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips. Phillips, during his opening remarks with reporters, said this, and I note... This was unprompted. In other words, he brought it up himself. There's not a conference in the country and there isn't institutions in the country that haven't talked about conference expansion and and the landscape and what's best for my individual or our individual institution, um, what's best for our conference, etc. So I appreciate that um, and understand it and understand the attention to it. Um, it's no different than when folks come to Greensboro and to kind of take a look at the grant of rights and, and um, you know, our media rights and, and those types of things. I encourage them to come. I really do. I mean, we feed them and all the rest of it. All right. So here's what I'm wondering, first of all, what is the ACC feeding the member schools lawyers when they come to Greensboro to check out the grain of rights? Is it Stamey's Barbecue? I don't know. An institution Stamey's is, but probably better spots out there. And would a plate of Stamey's Barbecue make a lawyer from, say, Clemson or Florida State more sympathetic toward the ACC? Fair question. It's a fair question. Is it, say, uh, some catering from possibilities, which is something of an institution in ACC circles? The owner there at possibilities for a long time, volunteered at ACC tournaments and other events in Greensboro. So that would be something. If the league served up some possibilities to people looking for loopholes to escape the conference. If Syracuse's lawyers have made the trek down to Greensboro to examine the Granorites, we all know the appropriate dish the ACC should be serving them. And yes, it's Denny's. And I don't make the rules, Syracuse, and John Swaffer didn't make the rules. Blame Jim Beheim, And if you know the reference, you know the reference. But let me back up. Lots of talk here thus far about that tweet, the one heard around the Ritz. 
the one that set off all this drama about the ACC's grain of rights. And so let me read it. You've undoubtedly seen it by now. Uh, But for the record and for the state of perpetuity on ACC now, let's read it one more time. It's from Brett McMurphy, who has a well-earned reputation for his plugged-innedness as a national college football reporter. And he wrote, last Monday at the start of ACC meetings, and I quote, Clemson, FSU, Miami, UNC, NC State, Virginia, and Virginia Tech are the magnificent seven ACC schools, sources told, Action Network headquarters, uh, that being McMurphy's employer. These schools, Ross Dellinger, another national college football reporter of renown, uh, reported have met in the past several months with lawyers examining grant of rights to determine just how unbreakable it is. ACC deal runs through 2036, end quote, and thus cue the hysteria. And hysteria there was. But when Jim Phillips met with us later in the week, here was his general reaction to the revelation that schools were exploring the grant of rights. I mean, that that just isn't news to me per se. And okay. And and what was that again, Jim Phillips? One more time. What was that again? I mean, that, that just isn't news to me per se. And okay, that's what I thought he said. And one more time, just for emphasis to make sure we have it right. I mean, that that just isn't news to me per se. And maybe one more time slowly now so people can really take their time with it and understand. I mean, that, that just isn't news to me per se. A couple things here. For one, it's not a revelation that Phillips would downplay the fact that schools are looking at the grain of rights and exploring how ironclad it is or whether there might be a loophole. It's Phillips' job, after all, to be the ACC's biggest promoter, its most passionate advocate. It's a role in which he's excelled since becoming the league commissioner in 2021. But second, and more important, it really isn't all that much of a revelation that these seven schools, the so-called Magnificent Seven, would be examining the grain of rights, or that they do it in a collective manner. It's fair to assume, after all, that almost a year into heightened anxiety surrounding college athletics, and particularly the future of the ACC and where it goes from here, that every school has poured over the grain of rights. Some schools want to know whether the legal agreement has any weaknesses so that they might be able to more effectively plot and exit. Other schools want to know how strong for sure the grant of rights is because they need the ACC to stay together. And so regardless of the side, whether schools want out of the ACC or whether they want the league to stick together, the strength of the grant of rights is something in which every league member has a vested interest. As Phillips put it like this last week with a group of us down there in Amelia Island. That's not, you know, that that's not a, a warning sign to me from a standpoint of, you know, something, you know, bad may happen, etc. Th- these are these are schools that are under a lot of stress and a lot of pressures. 
So what to make of all this craziness? Well, to me, last week was a perfect encapsulation of media and social media and reporting and speculation and everything else in 2023. It was the perfect representation of how a nugget of news, in this case, that schools were and are evaluating the ACC's grant of rights can take on a life of its own. Now, to be clear, this isn't a commentary or a criticism of Brett McMurphy. To the contrary, he's one of the best college football reporters in the country. He breaks news. He's well-sourced. He's not afraid of controversial stories or ones that will upset some powerful people in the sport he covers. This isn't much about what he tweeted at all, though I did tell him last week it's fair to poke fun at this magnificent seven moniker. But no, it's much more about the reaction to the tweet. It's about the rush to jump to conclusions. And man, oh man, were there some conclusions last week. To recap some of the chatter, this school or schools is or are going to the SEC, and this school or schools is or are going to the Big Ten, and this school or schools is or are going to the Big 12, and it's all happening immediately. And generally speaking, the ACC is doomed, and that's it. No shot, no hope. And well, insert screaming noises and almost fire gifts and any matter of end of the world references here. That's the ACC's reality, according to Twitter, Reddit, and something your cousin's grandma's great nephew's uncle's godson heard last night at 31 Flavors. Sounds pretty serious. And now back in reality, the ACC does face a crisis, and the threat of its eventual demise does feel real. It's been well documented as to the why. The league keeps on setting revenue records thanks to its contract with ESPN. And in 2022, the conference generated more than $600 million in revenue. The problem as has been well documented, the Big Ten and SEC keep on making even more money at an even faster rate. Both of those leagues just signed enormous television contracts of their own. And the real bad news for the ACC? They're both going to re-up those deals before the ACC's ESPN contract expires in 2036. Now, Phillips, during a session with reporters, kept reiterating that the ACC is in a solid third place in revenue. Not bad as of now, not the end of the world, but it's a third place without any real hope of overtaking the two leagues out in front. And this came up last week at the Ritz. As you might have expected, could the ACC be content to be in third place? Was it good enough? And Phillips considered the question before offering a quick answer. Yeah, it's never good. I mean, that's never good enough for any anybody that's competitive. Of course, of course not. Um, our schools have done a great job with the resources they've been given. And so what I understand is anything else that we can do to close that gap will exponentially help our schools. And I think about it every day. I do. And it is what it is. And I, you know, I, I just, I don't like going back to the past. I don't, you know, well, should we be in this position or should that, that, and, and, and when we decided to do this deal in 2016, we had 15 schools that I think raced the, to the opportunity to have a network, to lock in for 20 years and all the rest of that. And and I understand times change. And so that you you adjust and, and it's like anything else in life. It's not always a straight line. So we're, we're figuring this thing out. But I, I would just say this. I know the reports and I know the conversations and all the rest of it. I feel like we have a really connected group. I really do. And I'm not just saying that. 
Um, they understand what we're faced with and, and having discussions and thinking about what's best for my school. I don't know how you, you know you can completely criticize that because that's that's the nature of this business that we're in in college sports. It was a thoughtful answer, and yet within it, Phillips included five words that often signal a sense of resignation, a, a sense of not quite knowing what the answer to a difficult problem is. That the reality might be there is no such answer, and, and those five words. It is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, yeah, it is. And sometimes, most times, I'd argue that's an especially empty phrase. And other times, and I'd argue this was one of those, it's perfectly fitting. For the ACC, it is what it is. And both at once, the league finds itself in a financial crisis relative to the growing financial disparity with the Big Ten and SEC. It underscores the notion, given its record revenue growth of its own, that in college athletics, as much as anywhere in America, more is never enough. And there's no solution to any of it. The solution, apparently, is to try to keep pace on a hamster wheel that continues to accelerate with no end in sight. This isn't fatalistic. This isn't to suggest there's nothing the ACC can do. Phillips emphasized the efforts the league is making. It partnered with a consulting firm, Fishbait Solutions, that's trying to help the league generate more money. An unequal revenue sharing model is coming to the conference, one that will reward the highest performers, but not necessarily the ones that generate the biggest share of television money, though there's undoubtedly going to be some overlap there. But the reality for the ACC, the is what it is of it all, is that there's only so much that can be done and so many places it can turn. There's simply no magic formula here, no yet undiscovered path to make up that revenue disparity with the two wealthiest conferences. 20 years ago, the ACC was still the wealthiest conference in the country thanks to the value of its basketball television rights. And football in the two decades since now accounts for more than 80% of the ACC's television revenue. And if anything, it's only going to become more skewed in the direction of that one particular sport. So where does the conference go from here? Well, it can try to negotiate and renegotiate its deal rather with ESPN, but that's unlikely. There's no incentive for ESPN after all to do that. The league can hope the ACC network continues to grow, but again, even if it does, that's not going to result in any kind of significant windfall. If expansion were a realistic pathway, the conference would pursue it, but it's not, at least not in a way that enhanced the conference's value. Notre Dame would as a full-time member in football, but the conference appears to have missed its windows there, and Notre Dame has shown zero signs that lead anyone to believe it's willing to cede its independence. And if it did join a league, regardless of what any paperwork says, it's difficult to ignore the geographic and cultural ties to the Midwest and the Big Ten. So what you're saying is, you're wondering out there, is that the ACC is, well, just kind of doomed, right? Well... Not totally, not necessarily. Now, what if, and indeed, this does require some imagination, but what if the league's powers that were become powers that are? What if Florida State regains its national title status? If Miami, which actually, let's be honest, has never really been a football power since joining the ACC, lives up to its annual hype and becomes one? What if, amid FSU and Miami's resurgence, Clemson maintains its place and UNC reaches its potential? 
Then Virginia Tech gets back to what it was, and NC State continues its climb. Could that, in theory, allow the conference a chance to renegotiate with ESPN? Well, the league would have a stronger argument for doing so, at least. But, all right, all right, not the most likely of scenarios there, but also unlikely that the ACC's demise is imminent. The grant of rights, folks, is solid, and we know it's solid because if it wasn't, it already would have broken. If it were really all that feasible to get out of, if a school or schools felt it or they had an argument for breaking it then, well, we'd probably have seen it by now. It's not a particularly long document, according to an earlier version that found its way online, thanks to some reporting last year from The Athletic. It's not a particularly complicated document either. It is, though, all clear enough. If a member school leaves and it forfeits its media rights to the ACC for the duration of the grant of rights agreement, which again runs through 2036. So not only would a member need to pay for an exit fee in the hundreds of millions, but it also forfeit an untold amount of money, also in the hundreds of millions, depending on the departure date, back to the conference. And even for entities that burn through cash as if it grows on trees, and in major college athletics it sort of does, that's still a lot of money. Which isn't to say that a school or schools won't challenge the grain of rights, or that the Magnificent Seven, or Eight, or Nine, if the number keeps on growing, might just wake up one day and decide on anarchy. Or, in another words, to attempt to begin a unified exit from the conference. Sound crazy? Yes. Crazier than two California schools joining the Big Ten? Maybe not so much. But we're a long ways away from that sort of chaos, or so we think. If there's one thing major college athletics has taught us over the past few summers, it's that major news comes without warning. In the meantime, Jim Phillips felt comfortable enough last week to say this. What, I, what, I, what I've been told is we're, we're all in this thing together, emphatically. Emphatically, Jim? Emphatically. And well, there you have it. Straight from the ACC commissioner himself, who says, and I quote, just to reiterate, we're all in this thing together, emphatically. And it goes without saying that the degree to which he's right or wrong will determine the ACC's long-term viability. And if he's correct indeed, and the ACC's membership really is united, then the conference might just find its way, as unlikely as it might seem now. And if Phillips doesn't have it quite right, then, well, who knows where this whole thing goes? Maybe straight to a courtroom somewhere. One thing that's clear, we hope, is another episode of ACC Now will be headed your way soon enough. Until then, thanks for listening.